0: Welcome back everybody. Last year I read this little biography about Charles Spurgeon by a, a man named Richard Ellsworth Day. This was an old book uh, given to me by my brother-in-law and in this book, The Shadow of the Broad Brim, Day wrote about Charles Spurgeon's life and he writes the book in the early 20th century uh, and so Because of the timing of when the book was written, Charles Spurgeon's uh, death had been a few decades past, and uh, yet there were still people alive uh, who remember Charles Spurgeon, and uh, not a few of his church members were still alive that Mr. Day, who writes the book, interviewed. What's interesting is that those that called Spurgeon their pastor made a, a really interesting statement about Charles Spurgeon. When asked what they remembered most about him, they said they remembered his prayers. Now, that strikes me as interesting because when we think of Charles Spurgeon, we think of his sermons. But when his church members thought about their pastor, Charles Spurgeon, they always reflected on his prayers as something that was uh, the most memorable, the, the part of his ministry that they cherished the most. And so that's what I want to talk about in today's video. It is this subject of the minister's public prayer. Spurgeon wrote uh, an entire chapter about this issue uh, in his book, Lectures to My Students. And this one is my very dog-eared and torn cover that I've had for years. Uh, And the chapter in the book is titled, Our Public Prayer and in that chapter Spurgeon discusses how pastors uh, can improve their public prayers which is something that is pretty important because uh, there are several things that people will hear when they come to church one of those obviously is a sermon and the other thing that they'll hear from the pastor is his praying so we need to make sure that our public praying is edifying and spiritual and actually praying Now the chapter itself that Spurgeon writes in this book is filled with many lessons and observations about our public prayer. But I wanna share with you just three simple lessons that helped me the most. The first lesson that I really learned and I found extremely helpful from this book is the method of public prayer. And there are two camps in this regard. There is the one camp that says or that practices this uh, reading of a prayer. And there's lots of good and godly men who preach and, and, and pastor and they write out a, a prayer and they read it uh, in the service. It's not unusual. and in, in fact, it could be more common for pastors to read prayers than to not read prayers. I don't know about that. But the other camp is uh, the camp of ministers who pray freely or extemporaneously when they pray. And Spurgeon was decidedly in the latter camp. He said, free prayer is the most scriptural. He goes on to say, where in the writing of the apostles meet we with the bare idea of a liturgy? It would be difficult to discover when and where the liturgies began. Their introduction was gradual and, as we believe, coextensive with the gradual decline of purity in the church. The introduction of them among nonconformists would mark the era of our decline and fall. So, while we understand that this issue is an issue where we can give liberty to our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, nevertheless, Spurgeon did have very strong feelings about. Having read prayers in church services. He felt it was an invitation to uh, decline and fall of spirituality in nonconformist churches. So, the first lesson I learned is that if you want to mimic Spurgeon in his public praying, then you should not write your prayers down and read them, but you should pray extemporaneously. The second lesson is the matter of the length of your public prayer. Now what's interesting about this is I've kind of applied the exact opposite of what Spurgeon was advocating and here's what I mean. In Spurgeon's day there was uh, it seems to be a problem uh, of preachers who would pray too long in public. So to combat that issue Spurgeon suggested keeping uh, your public prayer down to no more than 10 minutes. Now when I read that I was shocked. Because I have never been, in all my years of going to a Baptist church, I have never, or I should say, I have rarely witnessed a public prayer that was 10 minutes or more long. Most of the public prayers in the services I've attended since a child were very brief prayers. Perhaps, unless it was a prayer meeting, the prayers were maybe a few sentences long. And so when I read that, I was surprised that Spurgeon actually had to kind of rein in his students in this regard of praying too long in public. So (laughs) my takeaway was that maybe uh, we should be praying a little longer. If Spurgeon was concerned that people were going too long and they need to abbreviate them down to 10 minutes, it's possible that most churches today of the Baptist variety, the evangelical variety, maybe there's the a problem of too much brevity so there's a need for the pastor to lead his people in a time of prayer when we gather together as a church in that service there are a multitude of needs that must be brought before God beyond just asking a blessing on the offering and on the sermon and so when i read of spurgeon's uh, recommended length of prayer you know i didn't immediately uh, begin praying for 10 minutes in a public service i i don't think that that's the it's not that the 10 minute mark is like the magical mark but i did see it as a challenge to expand uh, on the pastoral prayer at least in my own ministry So to put things in perspective, Spurgeon references uh, Dr. Charles Brown of Edinburgh, who, and I quote, uh, this is what Spurgeon said of this, who lays it down as a result of his deliberate judgment that 10 minutes is the limit of which prayer ought to be prolonged. He goes on and says, Our Puritanic forefathers used to pray for three quarters of an hour or more. But then he adds, You must recollect that they did not know that they would ever have the opportunity of praying again before an assembly and therefore took their fill of it. So while we admire the Puritans and their spirituality and their preaching and their theology, uh, perhaps it wouldn't be the best for our congregations if we mimicked how long that they prayed. Uh, now, the third and final lesson that I want to share with you in this video uh, that caught my attention from Spurgeon's book is the matter of the content of our public prayers. And this lesson consists of several negatives and one positive. The negatives are this. Uh, first, do not use cant phrases, uh, which, and by cant phrases, Spurgeon refers to the insincere use of pious words Uh, there are some preachers who recycle and reuse the same phrases and sentences every time they get up to pray before they preach or whatever time they pray during the service and they use those same formulaic prayers over and over in public and this is to be avoided at all costs it makes your prayers sound robotic and insincere Uh, the second lesson regarding the content of our public prayers is do not preach when you pray. Spurgeon says let the Lord alone be the object of your prayers. Beware of having an eye to the auditors. Beware of becoming rhetorical to please the listeners. Prayers must not be transformed into an oblique sermon. It is short of blasphemy to make devotion an occasion for display. And I think we've all witnessed that where a man is praying and he's not really praying, he's preaching Uh, and maybe he's making some uh, sideways remarks at people in the congregation or some uh, hypothetical objector somewhere Uh, avoid that pray to the Lord, don't preach an oblique sermon when you pray and thirdly regarding the content of public prayers do not pretend to be fervent in prayer when you aren't fervent in your heart Spurgeon put it this way as you would avoid a viper, keep from all attempts to work up spurious fervor and private devotion. Do not labor to seem earnest. Simulated ardor is a shameful form of lying. Spurgeon is not advocating lifeless prayers or coldness in our intercessions because he later says, let your prayers be earnest, full of fire, vehemence, prevalence, His point is that we should not fake the fire, that our prayers should be zealous prayers and earnest prayers, but that we shouldn't put that on, that we shouldn't have to pretend to be earnest or zealous. And uh, if you're cold and hard and you're dull in your spirit, uh, Spurgeon says to maybe go to God and ask for help through it, but don't pretend that you're something that you're not. And so here in closing is the positive lesson regarding the content of our prayers. By all all means, do use scripture passages when you pray. The Bible is replete with all manner of verses that should be used as a part of our public prayer lives. Spurgeon noted, As David used the sword of Goliath for after victories, so we may at times employ a petition already answered and find ourselves able to say with the son of Jesse, there is none like it, as God should yet again fulfill it in our experience. Now, there's much more that we could discuss about this matter of public prayer, uh, but I'll leave that to you and Spurgeon when you read his book. And I'll close with two suggestions. Uh, The first is read the collection of Spurgeon's public prayers. They're available uh, in a book titled The Pastor in Prayer by Charles Spurgeon and those prayers that he prayed in public before his sermons are available for us to uh, read today. I recommend you buy that book and read and see exactly how Spurgeon prayed and learn from his example. Uh, And secondly, uh, prepare your public prayers by devoting yourself to private prayer. The best method for improving your public prayer is to have a lively and uh, vibrant, Private prayer life, and we're going to talk about the preacher's private prayer life in our next video So before I close remember uh, lectures to my students Uh, get the book and read it I think it's the best book on ministry there is and secondly uh, Find online somewhere. I'll leave some links down below in the video description Uh, find Spurgeon's book, The Pastor in Prayer. It will help you see how he prayed, and it'll be a beneficial example to you, I believe. All right, so that's all for tonight. Have a good evening, everybody. See you next week.